in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. What's going down, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca, joined as always by this man over here. Uh, I am uh, Matt Nost, and we are the Woj and Shams of the Top 10 today. <laughs> yes, it's, been a quiet, it's been a quiet week, John. You gotta be honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Between the State of the Union, LeBron breaking Kareem's record, KD getting traded, and now all the trade deadline nonsense today. Nothing to talk about uh, outside yeah. of uh, movies. First the fat boys break up, and now this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Did that come out this week? Are they still alive? <laughs> I don't know. One of them, I think, is passed. I don't think they're all still alive. But uh, no, I love that line from Boomerang. Uh, I like to use it every once in a while when there's a lot of shit going on. But yeah, certainly a lot happening here. I know we got to get into our top ten. And for those of you who know them, uh, you've seen the title already: top ten Marvel villains in the MCU because of Ant Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania coming out, and Kang being introduced. But uh, yeah, we're diving into things uh, this week um, in the hot water here, man. I mean, a lot going on. This must be like uh, Christmas morning for you, Matt. So much right, for any NBA fan. deadline. Uh, well, before we get into that, so yep. uh, the the final show that we're going to do on the 27th. Oh, yes. Yes. For those of you who are talking about our last uh, episode, we're going to do it live. So go ahead, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do it live and uh, we're going to do it at 6 p.m. Pacific time um on that that night so it'll be everybody will be off work if you want to if you want to join us we'd love to have you um so please come uh at 6 p.m on the 27th of february 6 p.m pt we should say for those specific time yes different uh, time zones yes so 9 p.m uh eastern yep and uh you know come uh, hang out with us one final time yeah, uh, we thoroughly love uh, to have you, and uh, that was it. Yeah, as uh, Nirvana once said, "Come as you are." Uh, we'd love to have you here, hang out with us uh, one last time here on the top ten. You know, we would love to have done it a live show and all that kind of stuff, but the way everything's been going on, it's just kind of the way we're choosing to uh, do our final show, and hopefully, we'll have some fun uh, people joining us, and um, you know, send some of you may want to send in questions. You know, we'll open the doors to all of that. Maybe we'll. Even pop a few of you in who've been with us since the beginning. We see you all in the chat as a fun little thank you and have a back and forth with you all. So that's going to be a fun final show. And I guess we've got our we've got to figure out what our final topic's going to be, Matt. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting situation for sure. What is the final topic of the top ten show? We've always done city specific ones when we've gone and done live shows. So what will be this one as we do our final show? We'll be very curious to see for sure. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but hopefully, uh, you all can make it for our last one of us bullshitting <laughs> on the 27th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, 9 p.m. And for you international uh, listeners, it's going to be well. Those in Europe, it's going to be super early in the morning. Yes. Uh, starting. Temprano. 
muy temprano for those of you who are in Spain. There you go, letting you know. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be two over. to three in the morning for you. So hopefully you can make it. Yes. Um, but that we would. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm monitoring it to see if there's any last minute trades to go through. Oh yeah, that's right. Because uh, what it's uh, it's isn't it right now? The the thing is over now, right? Technically, yes. It ended eight minutes ago. Yes. Um. So I, I was just waiting for the final shoe to drop on yeah. potentially Ananobi and Boyan Bogdanovich. Oh yeah, Bo- Bojan. Where's he? Where's he going to go? Uh, nowhere rules? as of right now. Wow. I thought they were going to be able to turn him into a first. It was still like Lakers might be interested in doing this. We'll find out. And then yeah. it came and went. Ananobi has been the prize that everybody's been talking about. How many firsts will he get? Yeah. And uh doesn't look like, you know, they went out and got Jakob Pertl, <sighs> who they, I believe, originally drafted. And then they're going to, talk, you know, they're going to give him a contract. But yeah, everybody's expecting the Lake, the Raptors to be big sellers. And it's just not the case. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen. I think with everything that went down with Brooklyn, it kind of unsettled the market for Ananobi on so many on so many fronts. So maybe at the end of the day, it just couldn't quite find the right pieces, which is odd because you don't know where to – I mean, did Van Vliet stay? So I mean, Yeah, Van Vliet and Ananobi. Yeah, what do you do with this nucleus? Yeah, I don't know. If Phoenix hadn't gotten KD, then there's a chance they would have gotten John Collins from the Hawks. Oh, right. Potentially either Ananobi or Van Vliet. We need backup point guard help. Hey, uh, I'm, my thing is going down again. So actually, let me see if I can get out of something and, and see if it because I had this happen yesterday. Where my uh, okay, maybe I'm okay. If I freeze, I will come back. But uh, sometimes if I've got uh, too many windows open lately on this computer, I think it's just running out of memory. So just letting you know, I'm getting the warning signs that there might be an issue here. So. Okay. Um, if I dump out, if I dump out, I'll, ju- I'll jump right back in as soon as I can get back in. So just letting you all know right off the bat. But anyway, all right. looks like I'm fine. looks like I got out of what I needed to get out of, but yeah. Um, yeah. A lot happened here, Matt. I mean, uh, starting off with the Kyrie Irving thing, I thought that was a smart move for the Nets. Get rid of him once and for all, see what you're going to get for him. I thought they had a nice haul for him in terms of picks and some players. Um, sure. This is going to be a hell of a situation in Dallas. Uh, 24 points last night in, the, in his debut with uh, Doncic. But, yeah, on yeah. the sidelines. But what does that fucking mean? My favorite about all this is, yeah. so yeah. Dallas decides, first off, they don't know if they're going to be able to re-sign Kyrie. And Windhorse is already saying, Kyrie has mentioned wanting to go to Phoenix. Holy he's a free fuck, agent in the offseason. Exactly. Oh, dude. But Dallas makes this move because they're looking at the West going, look, there is no clear cut, just alpha in the West. We can make a run. Yeah. And then the Suns trade for Kevin Durant. And it's like, oh, oh, that's got to hurt. And don't give up CP3 and don't give up DeAndre. So like right there, you've got a, a setup in a situation. I almost think this is the best thing for KD because it's like you suffered through four years of trying to put this team together. I get it. His hubris and wanting to prove himself. I get it, but it was a shit show from day one. They only ever played what 16 games or 14 games together. Him Harden and yeah, 16 Irving. games and then 70 something games with Irving. So 
it's just like it was just a shit show from the beginning. And the thing is, Matt, when you you know we we look at this stuff and you know amateur analysts and whatever, but like even we could see that this was a dumpster fire, or p- the potential for the dumpster fire that was going to happen here. Um, and in the end, at least it feels like New Jersey got out of it with a lot of picks, a yeah. lot of possibilities, some good players. Oh, sorry, Brooklyn. Sorry, got out of it with a lot of picks and some good players. And maybe they've got something to build on going forward and start all over again. I mean, they've, they've got an interesting team yeah. between Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson, Cam, Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie, will Ben Simmons be able to rebound back? They still got like Watanabe and Seth Curry. And, mm. um, you know, there's, there's a team in there that they'll be a tough out. They're not going to win a championship, but they'll no, be no. interesting. Right. But right. it's going to kill their attendance, not having a star in new york and claxton is still there right so he's yeah, been killing still it got claxton so you know you've got you've got some players that could get you some sneaky wins and you might in this position for sure still stay in the playoff conversation to oh at least I, get I, a yeah i think they'll still be a playoff team okay or at least a play-in team but i I, right. I don't see them dropping to like 11th or something with this squad they've got a bunch of guys i mean mikhail bridges was basically Carrying the water of the Suns with yeah. Booker and CP3 out. Yeah. And, you know, they're sitting at, uh, I think it's fifth place in the West right now. Uh, so the, uh, the Suns? The Suns? Yeah. Suns are at fifth and so is Brooklyn. So, ironically, both in the same places in the different conferences. Yeah. That was my favorite part of uh, Kyrie's presser in Dallas. He's like, you know, when I left them, they were in fourth place and I did my job. And she's like, yeah, when you took over for Durant, they, you guys were in second place, almost in first. So, I don't know if you, not winning as many games without Durant oh. is really the thing you want to. He's such at. a lying. I mean, watching him be like, I want to go to a place where I was accepted and respect. They did everything in Brooklyn to make yep. you feel accepted. You nutbag. They wow. absolutely did everything except cater to your COVID situation. Oh, no, they even did that because. Eventually they did vaccinated. that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it was just so ridiculous. His press conference was hilarious to me just an utter utter rebranding trying to save face disillusioned approach to what actually happened to him in brooklyn you know and him speaking about it so negatively and saying oh i'm just glad kevin got out of there what the fuck are you talking about man he's he's a he's a weird dude yeah (laughs) but yeah there's i mean westbrook gone there was a nice little trade not sure that right yeah the Lakers have been making moves. I don't know. I don't agree with all of them, but it's interesting to say. I mean, D'Angelo least. coming back, Matt. That's interesting for sure. Sure, sending out uh, Pat Bev to get Mo Bamba. They shipped out Thomas Bryant, which I I thought he played well for them. I was surprised by that one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was you know, we'll see. We shall see. Coming back to my Wizards, Thomas. Come on back, man. Yeah, I um. I called this on Sunday. I have a, I have some sources, and I, people were making fun of my sources, but I know people who are connected to the NBA, and I got two texts on Sunday from two friends of mine who were like, the KD to Phoenix deal is done. They're, it's a done deal. They're just working out a couple of particulars. So I tuned it out on Sunday, just fucking casually. Like, I didn't think anything about it. I'm nobody. And, um, you know, people came back and were like, oh, fuck, where the fuck do you have sources? And then the shit came down last night and I had a bunch of people being like, you know, oh, you were fucking right. You were fucking right. I don't know a lot of shit about the NBA. I'm, I'm, how can I say it? I don't have connections in the NBA, 
but I have people who have connections in the NBA, and they told me that shit on Sunday, that that was the reason the Kyrie Irving trade happened so quickly, is so they could create the space, get a haul, and see what the, the landscape was for the next few days before they made the deal for Durant, both Brooklyn and Phoenix. So to me, it seems it seemed, it made all kinds of logical sense. Get the Kyrie Irving deal done quick. Now let's see what we got. Let's see who's available. Let's see what we can play with. And then boom, let's see if we can make if we can land Durant. And sure enough, it worked out. And you got a new owner coming in who's willing to splash the cash. And I mean, mm-hmm. now it feels, I mean, they went from what what 18 to 1 to 500 or plus 500 or whatever to win the title. I mean, I could see them coming out of the West, absolutely. And I could see LeBron getting reinvigorated by these new guys on the team, kind of like what happened with Miami a few years ago when he, when they made all those deals at the uh, trade deadline and they got all the way to the finals again. So I could see LeBron taking this team to the finals if they stay relatively healthy. It's possible. Maybe. <laughs> uh are you looking at it's, something? <laughs> I, it's just so the I mean the, the Lakers still have a decent amount of the same issues that they've had. Yeah. I you know, their wing depth, okay. Well, you got Mo Bamba and Winion Gabriel, and then you know, I don't mind the you got the Davis and Hachimura, okay. But defense is still kind of suspect to me. And yeah. Technically, bringing in Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell gives you better three-point shooting. Yeah, uh, but it's not like you got an ace in the hole now. So I don't know. I, I can they score with all the rest of them? Can they shut anybody down? Because like when you watch that OKC game, it oh, was yeah. any shot any player wanted on the Thunder they were getting. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Shea and Giddy was just like, hey, all right, you go lay up to the right side of the rim, and then I'm going to go lay up to the left side of the rim, and then we'll switch it up. Next time you go left, and I'll go right. Yeah, exactly. And then it was like there was a late when the Lakers were making a surge. Can can they bring this back in? And uh, yeah. LeBron, for some reason, Shea's bringing it down, and he gave him like six feet, and Shea just stopped behind the three-point line. I was like, okay, and shot it, and it just, yeah, you guys, where's the defense? Where is the defense whatsoever? So, yeah, I don't. I still don't think the Lakers have any shot. I think they're a better team today right. than they you were think yesterday. They'll get in the playoffs, though. Uh I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, yeah, play in. I think is a little bit in the mix, just because. Yeah, you know, Utah is officially starting to wave the white flag. Yeah, so yeah, they're that above was them. all those deals they did, essentially waving the white flag. You're right. Yeah. Conley's not going to take you to the fucking playoffs at this age. No, but I mean, him going to Minnesota helps bolster their rotation. Yeah. And he knows how to play with Gobert. So that's the only team above them right now, but yeah. they're in 13th. And uh, Utah, I think, is in 11th. So yeah. OKC is still a scrappy team. I mean, they've got they've got to climb, but they're only a couple games back yeah. of that 10th spot. It's possible. Yeah. It's just... We also need Anthony Davis to not play like a corpse and stay healthy. <laughs> there are some interesting moves here. As I'm, lo- I'm catching up myself because I was uh, doing some trailer reactions today, so I didn't see a lot of this stuff. But like, I'm looking at the Clippers um, getting rid of Reggie Jackson, bringing sure in Plumley, yeah, and uh, getting Eric Gordon, which is a nice score, I guess. Still, sure, Bones Highland, I think, is the better move that yeah. they got. 
The rumor, though, is that Westbrook is going to get bought out and that they might bring Westbrook to the Clippers. Uh, the, yeah, Clippers and the Bulls are the two that have expressed interest. Do you want Westbrook on the Bulls? I don't give a shit. Okay. Well, no, look, we can't win a championship. We're not going to sign him to a long-term deal. Why oh, not? True. Who cares? Just play out the season, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's I'm perfectly fine with it. It's like, sure, why not bring them on? Mm-hmm. Screw it, let's have fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't. It, it makes no difference. The Clippers have championship aspirations since all the moves they made today. Right. Trying right. to retool their team. We stood pat, which I assumed we would do. And yeah, uh, yeah just uh, you know. So if we get Westbrook or he goes to the Clippers, I don't think it really makes all that much difference. But it is weird that he signs that five year deal and he was traded every year of that deal. Yeah, this right. is the final one. So we'll see. We'll see if he's even in the league yeah. next year, because I don't know if he's willing to take like the vet men, mm. which is what I'm assuming he would get offered. It's almost like Allen Iverson just flaming out and just boom, it's gone. You know? Yeah. But <sighs> will he be willing to take like a Carmelo role? He's already come off the bench now, but yeah, I mean, but apparently him and Darvin Ham had. A number of issues yeah. still about that. So, yeah, supposedly at halftime they mm-hmm. got into it, and then, uh, yeah, he didn't. He didn't look pleased. Do you think the Jay Crowder move helps Milwaukee? Like, look like they might even be more of a favorite coming out of the East. Uh, well, I mean, it's them or the Celtics. I think those are the most complete teams in the East. Or do you think Jay got gives them even more of kind of a how can I say this like a junkyard dog presence? Maybe in the in the uh, playoffs here. It's not like he lit the world on fire in the playoffs last year, and <laughs> he hasn't played in how fucking long. I know, Drew. He has been. Yeah, he's been sitting at home. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's still getting in workouts and all that shit. But there's sure, no replacement sure. for playing in the games. No, you're right about that. You're so right that. it doesn't hurt. I mean, that you know they gave up. I think it's five seconds for him. Yeah. So it's not the end of the world. Although that just adds to the Nets haul. So KD ended up netting him ten picks. <laughs> It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Four unprotected first plus a swap, man. That's a haul. That is a fucking haul. No protections whatsoever. Yeah. And then you turn Jake Crowder into five seconds. And then what you got for Kyrie, but they still owe Houston two firsts and yeah. two pick swaps, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're not out of the clear just yet, but if they can stay relevant in some of these other teams, yeah, their hope is that by 27 Phoenix is falling off a cliff. Yeah. Because they have their 27 and 29 and a pick swap in 28. So, do you think John Wall gets bought out at Houston or do you think he plays? I love, love that fucking trade. <laughs> Poor John. He, he, a month ago, was trashing Houston on yeah. a podcast, <laughs> just mercilessly trashing Houston and the young guys that they have. Not saying they're terrible people. It's just like you guys are getting away with bullshit that wouldn't exist on any other team. You need to grow the fuck up. This is not how a professional team runs itself. It's like, hey, buddy, you're going back to Houston. Oh, God. (laughs) But I'd imagine John Wall is done. Yeah, I can't imagine he would stay in Houston. So, And he wasn't even doing that. I mean, he was was barely playing with the Clips. So, Yeah, they still – they got a point guard problem. Yeah. That's why I think they want to get Russell. I I don't know how Russell helps them, but – Yeah, I mean (sighs) – yeah, I'm not sure. We solved. shall see. Yeah. And Gary Payton Jr.'s, or the second, is back in the Golden State. So all's right with the world. 
<laughs> I always felt bad for him leaving. I was like, oh, man, you seem like the perfect warrior. You're exactly what they need. And then. Yeah. And it seemed like he liked being there, too. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, he applied for a position in their uh, uh, video room. And then eventually he's on the team. Wow. Yeah. He showed up one day and he's like, can I do something? Because he didn't think he was going to be able to make a roster ever. And then cut to, I think it's like two years later, he's on their team. That's crazy. Yeah. Wins a championship, gets a big contract. Yeah. Um, but they got rid of Weissman too, which I thought was finally like there have been all kinds of talk about that for a year. Yeah, it's his tax bill just for having him on the roster was gonna be beyond obscene. <laughs> so they're already paying so much. Yeah. So a guy that can't crack the rotation. I think his Raptor rating was the second lowest of any player that qualified for it. So they turn him into Sadiq Bay and Kevin Knox and then ship Sadiq Bay for five picks down to Atlanta mm. and then take those five picks along with Kevin Knox that they got and send that to Portland and get Gary Payton the second back and still save money. Yeah. I feel bad for Portland, man. They almost didn't do anything to help. Uh, you know, uh, Matisse Thibel. Uh, do you think that's going to move defense? No, but... Mm. I don't know exactly. Nobody wants Nurkic. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's kind of crazy. It's not really. Have you watched Nurkic play for the past couple of years? <laughs> I mean, his contract isn't obscene, so that's right. helping. That's what I'm saying. It's but it's bad. still too much for like, dude, I can get a guy that does what you do for half the cost. <laughs> like, not even joking. I can get a center for 10 mil, and he does exactly what you do. Why would I give up assets to get you? And then it's like, do you want to really give up on Anthony Simons or God forbid, Shaden Sharp? Yeah. Good um, just because he's so young and under a great contract. Uh, sucks yeah. that he, I think he bowed out of the, the slam dunk contest. Mm. That dude could fucking fly. Like, I mean, I'd heard the rumors that they were look that like, KD might have been interested in Portland. I mean, KD with Dame would have been fantastic. I mean, and now he's set up with Chris Paul and whatever, but KD with Dame would have been a hell of a thing, man. Well, you could say that with KD with and then pick any number of players, and you're like, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I don't think he'd be amazing with Russell, but I think with Dame he'd be amazing. Well, that's the flip side of the coin. Who is going to be good with Russell It's true. It's at true. this point? And that sucks because for like a two-year span – yeah. Russell was my favorite player in the league. Dude, I loved him on the Wizards. Abs- I almost bought, I mean, we talked about, I almost bought a jersey. Yeah. If Russell had stayed two more years, like if he had signed a contract saying a couple more years, I'd have bought a jersey. I yeah. liked him on the Wizards. I think they were like the two seasons before he won MVP, or maybe it was a season before that, the two seasons. And I was just like, this dude plays with an intensity that is just so mesmerizing. Yeah. Uh, but you burn out. You can't play that kind of energy. As a point guard forever. Every every point guard you've ever seen that starts out like that burns out. Unless they figure out how to play outside and shoot outside and yeah. stay, be consistent, they burn out because you get older. You just can't do it, you know? Yeah. He's bad. a slot receiver once he loses a step. Great point. Yeah. If he doesn't develop the outside shot. Yeah, yeah. But we can keep going. You want to talk about movies or something? <laughs> you know, this is a movie show. <laughs> It's 23 minutes. We have Super Bowl coming up. You got what do you? Oh doing? yeah, we do have Super Bowl coming up. <laughs> Quiet week. Quiet week. Quiet week. Chill week. Nothing to see here, folks. Make a gun. 
I like Kristen saying, uh, I'm going to miss not know. I'm going to miss knowing anything about basketball. That's for sure. That's for sure. Kristen. That's the same. But yeah, who you got in the, who you got in the Super Bowl? You got any predictions? Do you have any thoughts? I have no idea to be perfectly honest. Really? Usually I have, okay. I have a good, like, eh, well, you could, you can make arguments on both sides. Like True. Philly, who's the best quarterback they've played. And it's a list of nobodies. Right. Good point. Good point. So it's like, well, now they're getting, but is Mahomes fully healed on that ankle? Right. Are any of KC's receivers going to show up? Yeah. Yeah. They even, any. as they just one put one on injured reserve to make way for a running back. Yeah. Um. So it's like, all right, well, why don't we just triple team Kelsey and be like, hey, Pacheco or anybody else, good yeah. fucking luck. That being said, it's still Mahomes. And if he yeah. can turn any of these just average wide receivers into a stud for a day, I believe he could. Yeah. And then, you know, Philly's just a very well-balanced and complete team. That offensive line is legit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know. They've got weapons on offense and their defense is stout as can be. So technically, if you're just looking at it by like the numbers and all that, Philly should win this, but then you have the pedigree of Casey's been here. Yeah, they've got the institutional know-how that any of the young guys can just talk to the vets and be like, this is what it's going to be like. Hey, just relax or whatever. It's another game yeah. type of situation. My, I lean towards KC just because they've been there, but mm -hmm. I feel like the smart money says Philly. Yeah, Philly feels like a monster to me. And I think people are finding reasons for why they don't want to believe in Philly. And, sure. And I think they want to talk themselves into a competitive Super Bowl. I think Philadelphia is going to absolutely smash the Chiefs. I, I really do. I believe that. Uh, and I, I, well, the some NFC East bias right here. Okay. <laughs> you might be right. I mean, if they manage to beat my commanders, I think they could beat anybody. <laughs> Man, well, we beat them once. But Madden 23 had it, uh, they played the simulator and, it, and uh, Philadelphia won 31 to 17. And I think that sounds right about me, to me. And also, I mean, remember Tampa Bay absolutely mollywopped these Chiefs uh, when they showed up. And you could argue they were healthier in that Super Bowl, going into that Super Bowl, than they are in this sure. one. So I just have a feeling Philadelphia feels like a team. People say, oh, you haven't been tested. Haven't been tested. Yeah, they haven't. They've gotten some, you know, they've gotten some tough games, but they haven't been worn down by the playoffs. They haven't been like really challenged that hard in the playoffs. So it's almost like they're arrested hungry beast with a chip on its shoulder and they want to prove themselves plus the city of philadelphia kind of instills that in the players an afterthought there uh on that side of the coast so you have that kind of attitude and i remember all these people were thinking philly had no shot against new england because of all the offensive weapons and tom brady and philadelphia figured out with doug Pedersen. so i got i think the sirianni guy knows exactly what he's got in his players and he is not going to let them sky sky get too sky high and he won't let them get too down on themselves either and he's going to figure out how to game plan for for um, Mahomes and for all his stuff, um, you know. Because I, I just think you've got a, a different situation here, as you said, with the O line. Because with the Bengals, they had those make that makeshift O line defending um, Burrow, and it worked yeah. in Buffalo because of the snow, and the snow slowed everybody down. But in KC, when you could play equal level, they they got smoked that O line. So it still was close. Don't get me wrong, but. They got smoked. So I think Philly is going to um, – it's a much more formidable task for that D-line of the Chiefs for sure. You know, But I hope it's a close game. I just have a feeling Philadelphia is going to slowly but surely suffocate Kansas City as the game goes along.
we'll see. I mean, they very well could. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, all right. Did you want to talk any movie stuff? <laughs> or do you want to? Well, show? yeah, we're, we're 30 minutes in. Okay. Do you want to start the show? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, yeah, so for Ant-Man and Wasp uh, coming out, the new one, and Kang finally getting his full due. Kang! Yeah. Who I was a big fan of in the comics. Well, yeah, sure. Um, I'm very happy they didn't go with the look of the comics. Yes. I mean, shades of it, but certainly not the... Yeah, not look. a yeah. purple face and green outfit, and which is awesome on a pulp page. Sure, sure, sure. But it's just going to look ridiculous up on the screen, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you never know if... if if they can pull it off and it's mesmerizing, I'm all the you know happier for it. But I just yeah. once they introduced him, I was like, all right, I like this choice, right? Um, as opposed to just going over the top, because uh, Thanos still looked real, yes. even though he's all that. And Kang doesn't look remotely real in the comics, right? Once right. again, beautiful works beautifully for comic books. Um, but so we saw Kang, we're like, good stuff. Let's let's talk villains. Yeah. Let's talk our MCU. favorite villains in the MCU. And we kept it open to everything. Like, whatever we want to add as villains from the MCU, whether they be on TV or in film. But I, I think I stayed pretty much on film. What? So, but we kept it Technically, we never agreed to that. Oh, do we? Oh, okay. All right. You said, I want to take a look at it. And oh, if I, know, I yeah. think about it, I'll text you over the weekend. Did you... Do no, I just TV stuck to the people? movies. Okay, I stuck I to stuck the movies as well. Okay, good. All right. Well, yeah. then we're on the same page. Thank God. Yeah. I I mean, there aren't that. I, I would have only chosen potentially two from the TV shows, but they're kind yeah. of one's been represented in the movies and the other one is kind of yet to come. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, the other one. I, I didn't watch She Hulk. I didn't. Oh, yeah. I didn't finish Hawkeye. I didn't, uh, you I know, I'm behind. Man, no worries, man. I'm getting superheroed out officially. I've been saying it. I thought I, maybe I'm getting there. I just, yeah. I have, everybody loves Shang-Chi. I didn't. Oh, wow. Really? Not no. your cup of tea, Shang-Chi. Okay. Fucking dragons, man. <laughs> uh, I'm fine with aliens. I'm fine with all this other shit, but dragons and like mysticism, <laughs> I'm out. I'm but out. You like Dr. Strange. Uh, I know so. it makes me a hypocrite, <laughs> makes me a fool because he was the anomaly. The problem okay. was the predecessor to Shang-Chi is when WandaVision was like, it was really cool, really interesting. And all of a sudden it's a Wiccan fight. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Oh, I know that was, that was such a letdown. For yeah. Me. It's like, she already has the power. What now she has to learn spells. She didn't yeah. need spells before. Why did she suddenly, I realize her name is fucking witch, Yeah, but Iron Man isn't made of iron. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a fucking name. It's not necessarily the full-on description of who the individual is. Yeah. That suit's not even fucking made of iron. True. Very true. It's yeah, a, it'd be uh, too goddamn heavy. There's a reason you wouldn't make it out of iron. Although I don't know what un unobtainium or vibranium weighs, uh, to be perfectly yeah. honest. Is it like an aluminum aluminum type of weight? So it's but it's got mm. the strength of steel. I don't know. I'm assuming it's something like that. It's the perfect blend of all worlds. Yeah. Uh it's not the YouTube so, video for that. I'm sure there is a YouTube video with some oh, 100% describing what this fictitious 
what it actually is is yeah the molecular structure see it's like this okay well, and a, no disrespect, I you know, but like, yeah, I'm sure there's a video breaking that. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. Yeah. So um, once it's gone down this this route, I'm like, hey, I don't know. Okay, understood. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kristen's saying Titanium Man doesn't sound as cool. No, it's true. It doesn't. doesn't. Iron Man's got a great ring to it. Yeah, it's, it there was already like villain, steel. Actually. Although steel came later, but um, yeah, Titanium Man sounds like a villain. That doesn't sound like a hero. Yeah. Like polka dot man and shit. So I just, but anyway, I, I'm starting to flame out a little bit. I'm hoping Ant-Man's good. Really hoping because we're getting Kang. I'm hearing mixed. I've been reading some of the mixed reactions, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm nervous about it for sure. I see it on Monday, so we'll see. Um, oh, I'm going to Rudd's house on Saturday, so I'll let you know. Paul Rudd. <laughs> Are you? Good. Yep. Good. Tell him. Tell him. Uh, Evangeline is not, unfortunately, going to be able to make it. Oh, is that because there's a vaccination requirement? Why is she not going? Is I don't know why you're bringing that up, dude. I think she just has another commitment. I should say she's anti-vax. That's all. Fife's is going to be there, so I'm excited. Sorry, I who? haven't seen her in a while. Fife's. Michelle, oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. You call her Fife's. I call her Fife's. I don't know if anybody else does, but she loves it. I think it's because I'm the only one that does. Oh, okay, fair enough. And it keeps it, you know, like a jovial kind of a, like a, you know, uh, mm. friendship. Mm. Is Mike D showing up? Of, Any what's that? Mike D shows up? I, I'm not sure as of right now. I think oh. he has a family commitment. Oh, yeah. But he's going to try and swing by afterwards. <laughs> we'll see. He's really just doesn't want to bring Catherine around. Right. Of course not. Well, you there's, keep hitting on her, I'm sure. There's I'm friendship. Sure How dare you, dude? I'm married. <laughs> How dare you? Hey, hey, I don't think I can fault anybody for reflexively falling into a flirting back and forth with Catherine Zeta-Jones married or not, for God's sakes. Not that anything's going to happen. Just saying. I got hit on yesterday by a gay guy. So there's, I got that going. You got hit on by a gay guy yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Please tell this story. No, nothing. He was just flirting. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't wear a ring. Oh yeah. Right. So uh, maybe he thought uh, I was. You had a shot. Perhaps. I don't know. But I was very flattered. It's like, thank you, guy. I told my wife that. And she's like, oh, that's interesting. I got a hit on yesterday. I was like, <laughs> excuse you? Excuse you. Was it at least uh, a woman? No. It was, uh, <laughs> this guy I met. Remember when I went and picked up those clothes? Get the, you're, you're not allowed to go back there. I'll tell you that right now. Dude. I would be very surprised if your wife is not hit on multiple times per week. <laughs> I would not be surprised. Um, Men are shameless, and your wife is attractive. I'm, you know, I would not be surprised. I'm sure, I'm sure Lily doesn't tell me about who hits on her whenever she goes out. She knows what I would do. Stop. You're not going to – just like you. You're not going to that place anymore. You're done going to that place. No. You ever had somebody hit on someone you're with right in front of you? Yes. A, it's fucking a, brutal. Oh no, dude, it's the worst. And it, like, you know what's happening. The worst is when you're in a bad relationship and that person entertains it in front of you. That's oh, I've never had that happen. Yeah, I've had some. I've dated some pretty shitty people. And to be fair, I wasn't, you know, in the best frame of mind either. So, I've I saw that happen one time at a party. And then when you tell them that it's happening and they deny that it's happening, that's even worse because it's, it's almost like they're gaslighting you and you're going like, "Am I insane? I know exactly what's going on here. I know, dudes." And you're actually enjoying the attention because you're not 100% committed to the thing you have now. So, yeah. I mean, I've told you about 
Kristen's boss, the terrible relationship I had for five years, her boss would set her up with possible dates, but they were clients. And she would go on these lunches or these dinners with these clients with the idea that she they might, you know, like do something, but she played it like flirting with him with them, but just to get the business. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So that was the worst. I mean, the worst. Her, and I, she would tell her boss, like, oh, I would tell her, why don't you tell your boss to not do that anymore? Because you're with somebody. And she was like, well, it's for business. We got to get business. It was like, okay. All right. So that was the worst. That was absolutely the worst when it was being done for business. So, yeah. I've had it done. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, they never had that. So that's good. That would be <laughs> frustrating beyond belief. Have you ever hit on somebody when you were with someone else? No. Really? Wow. No. Okay. Fair enough. I've had someone, I had an ex mm. right after I got married. I saw her out and she's like, you want to get out of here? And I was like, I'm married. And she's like, well, sh- is she here? Wow. Okay. Well, she is not. <laughs> Doesn't change the fact that I am fucking married. Uh, but yeah. And honestly, she's not the type to do that. Oh, really? So that must have surprised you even more. Yeah. yeah. She was. Wow you know, normal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my, oh my God, she's not here. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't change any of the facts of I made a commitment. Uh, so I'm yeah. going to go ahead and go. Uh, gonna get it out almost of unsettles you, right? When you're in a situation like that. She's almost like, I don't, I'm, I, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, didn't know what to do at that point because it's just like awkwardly standing there. And then I was like, all right, well, um, it's good seeing you, I guess. All right. <laughs> I'll I'll see you later. That's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, thankfully, Catherine doesn't listen to the show all that often. Every once again, she checks in with if there's a topic we like. <laughs> yeah, superhero shit ain't it. So could have it. That's good. Yeah. Kristen says the most surprising place she gets hit on is at the gas station. Maybe it's the smell of petroleum that really brings out the romance. I'm not surprised. I mean, Kristen's a cutie. I wouldn't be surprised if guys hit her. No offense, John. Don't get mad, John. I'm just saying. But uh, yeah, Kristen's a cutie. I'm not surprised. You know, women get hit on. I think women don't tell their men how much they get hit on to to maintain the relationship because I think women probably get hit on a lot. Dudes are fucking shameless. Dudes are fucking shameless. You know, so ring or not. Well, yeah, I've never hit on a woman at a gas station, so that's kind of a seems like not an area to yeah. make a con- connection that's a weird one i'm just trying to get my gas i've never hit on yeah. someone at the gym I, I don't understand picking yeah. someone up at the gym that's the weirdest thing to me i'm there to work out get in and get the fuck out as quickly as possible so i can move on with my day because i do it out of necessity i don't i never did it out of joy like i was like oh fuck yeah i can't wait to go to the gym it was more like all right, I got to work out because I got to keep this weight off or I got to look a certain way, you know? And so, so uh, do you think that some yeah. of the not hitting on or whatever at the gym for you mm-hmm. is that you tend to be like a Monica Sellis like groaner when you're lifting so you <laughs> squats and you're just <laughs> first rep, <laughs> second rep. Oh my God, this guy is so loud. <laughs> It's true. It's true. And then I purposely drop the weight off at the highest point in my oh, body. Of course. Yeah, of course. Really you got to let the room know this is how much weight you're working with. 
You ever seen a video of somebody doing a leg press where you're sitting down and oh. they just crush a fart? Just crush. Like when the weight comes back and it's too much weight and just. They're like, oh, I saw one where the whole gym all looks at him and they all start dying. Because what else can you do? The guy feels bad. Of course. <laughs> oh, man. No, I've never farted lifting weights. It's always when I'm doing abs. That's when it comes. That's when I occasionally will have it. Like, especially in the gym, like in the gym, like you're just like so embarrassed when it happens. You're hoping I had one out. once. So, uh, I used to have 24 hour fitness. You know, oh, you yeah, get that right. deal at Costco. It was like two years for the price of one. Type yeah. Of I remember those deals. Right. Yeah. And when I got it, the 24 seven by me was, was good. Mm-hmm. And then they switched the tiers. So then you had to like up it to get the non shit one. Oh yeah. And then they had like the third tier for the super nice ones. And I used to be able to go to like the mid tier one. It was right by my house. So then to up it, I was like, well, I have like six months or eight months left on this. I'm not going to up for the last. I'll just figure out what I want to do with my next gym. So I just went to the one that I qualified for. Right. And so at that time I was working out like two, three days a week, but I would run on the treadmill, uh, six to eight miles. Oh, nice. On those two days. And the gym I was at in front of the treadmills was all, uh, mirrors. Oh yeah. And then televisions above that, but you're just like basically looking at a reflection of yourself and it's just a wall of fucking treadmills. Yeah. And I'm running on it and there's literally nobody else on any of the treadmills. It's, it's super late at night. That's when I either work out then yeah, or at like three in the afternoon. When yeah. nobody's there, it's right before the work and after the lunch, right. people. Right. So it's, it's like boom. Shit. So it's it's a late night and there's nobody in there and I'm running by myself. Now this is when I had a very high protein and high fiber diet. <laughs> so I'm fucking I'm running, and this person I'm like at two miles in. This person gets on the treadmill next to me. I, I, it is mind blowing yeah. when people do that in the fucking gym. There's like sixty other fucking treadmills. Why? Right next to, next to me. Yeah. This is like the movie theater sitting next to there are yeah. at oh. least 10 treadmills open. Yeah. Why on God's green earth would you pick the one? So anyway, at one point, and I, I'm two miles in or something. Yeah. I've got a nice groove going and I have to, I got a fart. Oops. So high protein, high fiber diet. And I'm like, fuck you for standing next for running next to me when you have so much to choose from. Yes. So I just let out this silent fart and then I smell it. And I'm like, Oh, that's a good one. And I'm just kind of running and I'm looking straight ahead. And you know, because oh. of the reflection, I can see yeah. their face. <laughs> they were like, Oh, oh. And they got off the fucking treadmill and moved. And I'm like, that's what you fucking get, man. That's what yeah. you fucking get. But I, cr- I mean, just crushed one. <laughs> it felt, it smelled so bad. So bad. It's one of those where you're even surprised. You know what I mean? You're like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Yeah. It doesn't gross you out because it's yours. I don't know how what the right. physics of that is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you could tell it was ripe. It was a good one. Yeah. I think you quietly smell yourself all day, and then the fart is just an extension of that. So that's why you don't kind of fall apart when you smell it. Even though there are ones that will come out and you're like, Man, that's from deep in the cavern. That's oh, like yeah. 30 years ago. Whatever I ate 30 years ago, that's what could just came out. You know, those are the worst. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I used to go when I was younger. I used to go like at eleven or twelve o'clock at night because sure. I had a job that I didn't have to go to job till twelve o'clock or twelve thirty. So I would work out, and it was great, man, dude. Living in the valley at that time, 
that was also when the porn stars went out to work out. I saw so many porn stars at the 24 hour mm -hmm. fitness there in, in, um, in the Valley when I would work out and I'd be like, Holy shit. Like it would just blow my mind to see them all. And they always had these big dudes who worked out with them maybe as like protectors or bodyguards, but like, it was just fascinating, but I loved it. Nobody's around. You can fucking work out at your pace. You don't have to worry about it messing with anybody. And then occasionally you have those weird people that show the fuck up late at night and they fucking work out near you or come right behind everything you're doing. And it's just like, what the fuck is happening? So yeah, I hear what you're saying about that nonsense. Uh, I used to work out when I lived in San Diego, you're driving down the five and you get to PB on the right-hand side. There's a big gym called world gym. Yes. Oh yes. Totally. I've seen world gym many times. So world gym is the best. At least it was when I was there. Because yeah. nobody goes except for super early in the morning right after work. It's two yeah. floors, yeah, and yeah. it's dead the rest of the day. <laughs> and it was dirt cheap at the time. It was like 10 bucks a month or something. Yeah. Um, and it has two entire separate massive wings of free weights. And then upstairs is all the cardio stuff. It's just fantastic. But the Charger players, a couple of them would work out oh, there shit. in the really? offseason. Wow. So I saw some offensive linemen. But if you remember David Boston – the yes. wide receiver. Yeah, I do remember David Boston. Right? So he got popped for all the illegal substances yeah. and eventually got drummed out of the league for it. Yeah. And he, I saw him like four times, five times ever. And it's not like it was a parade of chargers. There was right, like right. four maybe that worked there, five yeah. worked out there. But David Boston was easily the biggest one. And uh, it, you go to the gym and it's me, him, three other people in this 5,000 square foot complex. It was awesome because you just, I didn't have to see you. You didn't have to see me. Right. Not even on the same fucking wing as you. Right. But he had chicken legs, this rail oh, really? fucking legs. Wow. And then he had the body of an Adonis from the waist up. It was the weirdest fucking combo. I mean, it's not like chicken legs. You know what I mean? For, for a guy that looked like that, you'd expect yeah, yeah. the legs to match. And he's a fucking receiver. Right. Right. So you're expecting these not Saquon Barkley like legs, but something. Wow. wow. And so I'm mean, like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. And then you see him lifting. You're like, that is superhuman. And then six months later, eight months later, he tests positive for him. Like, that's ah, not surprising. It's not surprising at all. <laughs> the offensive lineman looked exactly like what you think. This oh, yeah. Yeah. Big doughy guys that could lift a car. Those guys scare the shit out of me when I see them working out yeah. at the gym. Oof. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> all right. So should we get into this list? Um, we should take a break though, Matt. We're in 45 minutes. Should we take a break and then jump into our list? What do you think? Sure, sure. The break before we actually start the show. <laughs> I think we started the show. I mean, this is wow. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, hear this word from our sponsor, and then actually get into maybe some movie discussion. I don't know. We'll see where the world, well, you know, the wind takes us, but we'll be back right after this. <laughs> and we're Fucking cut me off, bro. Oh, sorry, cut me bro. off, bro. Sorry, bro. <laughs> I was I rambling. You. I thought I read you were ending, and then I made a mistake there. So oh, it's fine. Um. Anyway, so we're doing the top ten Marvel villains. Um. Because of the Kang situation, do we? Did we? Is this? This is only because Kang, right? We don't have any not just patrons Kang. or anything like that connected to this one. Not okay. just Kang. All right. So, well, let's get into it because I'm sure some people are watching to try to get uh, some information. Wait, is this the newer one? Which one was this one? Is this an old? Oh, it's the same. Oh, it's a different one. Okay. I made that one for another day. All right. Anyway, I might as well just delete that one. Um, let's get into it. Uh, Mad oh, shit, are you? Uh, how, how's the show work? What? 
are you starting another top 10 show once this one ends? Is that no, what you're doing? that was, remember you the one day he bitch. stood in for you? <laughs> I saw in. that. It said Roca and Snyder on the no, logo. It was Morris. He stood in for you that one time. Oh, you motherfucker. I didn't see what the name was. <laughs> Steve seems like such a nice guy. Who told you that? Steve. Apparently not. Steve. Um. Uh, anyway, yeah, so... uh. All right, Matt. Do you want to? What do you want to do? You, you, you. Yep. Uh, ten. <laughs> yes. I have Alexander Pierce. Uh, oh, oh, the Robert Redford character. Yes. Yep. Please go ahead. Um, because he orchestrates this big, massive plan mm-hmm, mm-hmm. through and obfuscating the bureaucracy of the government itself. Yes. Which feels like this type of thing can't happen but could happen you know what i mean with the slush funds and all those uh, black market accounts that various institutions in this country may or may not have cia right. nsa looking at you guys Ew. um so to orchestrate all of that and to create like basically worm your way into mm-hmm. government and get up to a degree of power where you could lay the groundwork for this massive clandestine uh, operation to install Hydra mm. and basically make Hydra, given the resources of our government, the world's superpower. Um, I don't know. I just like the idea that, oh, you're worried about all these individuals with superpowers or things you can't explain or technologies that are beyond advanced uh, in your comprehension. Yeah. Now, it's just a, a pencil pusher that managed to punch all the right buttons say yeah. all the right things yeah. and you know almost create the world's great superpower cuz if you get those big flying machines up into the air and they can assassinate any target that they deem unfit yeah boy that's pretty potent as a deterrent uh plus i like the twist on robert redford yeah yeah just the quintessential leading man good guy and then suddenly he's playing a very good, like him and Shandling. Mm-hmm. Well, the Shandling wasn't as good just because he didn't get as much screen time. Yeah. But anytime there's a little Hail Hydra, makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up a little bit and be like, that's, it feels like there could be sleeper agents in all governments kind of like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're watching, um, <clears throat> when you're watching him in, um, in the Larry Sanders show, he's, he's always had that kind of like, you know, kind of evil streak at certain moments. So, that wasn't a surprise, and it was nice yeah. to see it used in this way. But with Redford, he rarely, if ever, played a villain. But as he got older, you he had these kind of harder edges in the films that he was doing and the characters he was portraying. So just leaning into that a little bit more and then you know, being upset about the fact that he's a good-looking dude, he's got incredible command of his space, which he's always had as an actor, and the calmness. Like, he never yells. He's just calm the whole time. Even when shit goes wrong, he's calm as fuck. And you you just are blown away by the fact that, yeah, a guy this smart who knows how to weave his way in and out and play everybody the way he does is almost scarier than any supervillain you could, you know, put together um, who'd be able to take over the world. You know, he just has that um, just, how can I say this, one-mindedness about it and knows mm-hmm. what he needs to do. Yeah, the calm demeanor, the matter of fact, mm-hmm. and 
to do all of this in the shadows and pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. With the right support. Yeah. Uh, that is my number 10. Okay. What's your nine? Uh, my nine might be a punt. I'm actually pretty sure it's going to be a punt. Okay. Uh, which is Killmonger. Uh, yes, of course. Yes, of course. That's a punt. What's wrong with you? Oh, of God. course, that's a punt. I mean, please. That final uh, battle is what kills it for me. I, I hear you. That's not his fault, though, man. He's still playing no. it well. Actually, well, I believe that's Marvel's fault. Yes. Okay, what's your eight? Uh, my eight is Ego. That's my ten. Let's do it. An entire planet. Yes. Manifests itself as is Kurt Russell. It's fantastic. This guy traveling the universe, screwing all kinds of women to try to figure out if he can get a son that's going to be able to be there with him to take on his legacy and be his companion as he like rips apart the universe. Like they said, it's a perfect name for him. Ego, the living planet, just this idea that he could do these kinds of things mm-hmm. and, and somehow disattach from what that would be like for someone to find out about their parenting. It was like that moment when he finds out, fuck, it's so good. And his casualness about her cancer being in essence caused by him, just, adds even more to the just utter evilness of his approach to the world, even though to him it's just logical sense because he is so eternal. It's not a big deal to him. That makes it all the more um, unsettling because that's the truth. If you go into a microcosm, a lot of people have a tough time understanding other people or other sections or other upbringings or other experiences because for them, they can't get past their own experience. And for ego, that is his experience. So, for him, he cannot understand someone with a terminal life um, being upset about the fact that they lost a loved one. Because to him, he's like, I'll just find someone else. Because I've but well, you know. their death was in service of this right. grand design. Yeah, yeah. And you need to be able to see the full scope before you lament the loss of your mother. Right. Look at what that gave, is, is about to give the universe. Mm. Think of the gift of her passing is going to uh, bequeath to all life yeah, forms. Right. Right. It's like, wow, the man. And then when they go to the subterranean levels and there's just skeletons everywhere showing the decimation that he has wrought and everybody is just yeah. fucking cannon fodder yeah. for his goals. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, it's the Stalin-esque, one death is a tragedy. A million deaths uh, is is a, a statistic. Yeah, it's like once the number gets large enough, it's utterly no deaths make any any difference. But one personalizes it. Uh, but yeah, it's I don't know. I I liked it. Plus, I like the I don't know. The, I liked Guardians too. Mm-hmm. Unlike apparently uh, a good chunk of people. Yeah, um, I thought it was a nice expansion. I'm looking forward to the third one. Yeah, and, uh, oh, dude. What Jimmy Gunn has. Uh, uh, in store for the MCU, maybe or probably the DCU, maybe some good stuff. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. I According to the Snyder bots, he's the worst thing that's ever happened yeah. in cinema. So, yeah, I support the Snyderverse, but that's such a ridiculous point of view. I don't. It was trash. I love it. It was trash. <laughs> I mean, I didn't like Batman v Superman, but I did like um, the Justice. You didn't like Aquaman. You did. That's not like Snyderverse. Eighty four. That's not you, Snyderverse. It's all part of the Snyderverse. Well, 
It is. It's all under the scope. He doesn't of, direct it, I guess, in my mind. I don't consider it part of the scope. Well, now we're narrowing down to <laughs> just a couple things here. That's true. And I don't know if that qualifies as a verse then. No, fair point. Fair point. Someone tried to convince me the Chiefs would be a, are a dynasty. Do you think the Chiefs are a dynasty with Not only one Super wins. Bowl win? Right? They get a second win, no. They could be the team of this era, but they're not right. a dynasty. Yeah. yeah. Like the post-Patriots next, you know, Leviathan, potentially. Yeah. But no. Okay. One in their bag so far? No. Two? No. Right. Although it's more difficult in football. So you have to, like, it's not the same as other sports. Basketball, it's much easier to, not much easier, but. You have to win a second one. You can't be a dynasty without winning a second one. You I just yeah. can't. And I think dynasty, you need to like be oh, in the right. Super Bowl four out of six or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Patriots were. Yeah, exactly. yeah, consistently making it, which the Chiefs have shown. Yeah. Pretty consistently. I mean, AFC Championship last year. Five in a row, dude. Yeah, it's. Yeah. But one to show for it so far? No. They get a second and then are back at it again next year, hmm. like making the AFC Championship again. So like, oh, yeah, yeah. Then all roads lead through KC. Right. for all these years and now you have something to talk about but as of right now with one in the bag i don't think so yeah i agree so you might be right about the snyder thing then because i mean it's like man of steel i hated bbs well i hate it i just didn't like bbs um it sucks you, it's fine this is a safe space john yeah okay, okay fine I mean, safe yeah, space. It sucked. um even the old even the extended cut was worse it just reiterated all the issues i it just re I underlined all the issues i had with the movie Re, re, I can't think of the word. Reinforced. There you go. And I liked his Justice League, though the four hour Justice League. I love that four hour Justice League. So, um, so the characters he created are great. But you know, I like first Wonder Woman is good. The second one sucked. You're right. I did not like Aquaman, but that's a James Wan thing. I'm not always the biggest fan of James Wan. James Wan's movies. Um. Yeah, I guess that's it, right? Because there's not much else. Yeah, but it was called the Snyderverse, so I think you have to encapsulate all of those. <laughs> True. Fair point. Um, all right, so that was your eight? That was my eight. My ten. So then my nine is Ultron. Go for it. Yeah, I've come to reevaluate Age of Ultron. It's still not a good, good movie. Like, it's a watchable movie. But when we did the recent rewatch with uh, Lindley and I for Stereo about a year ago, Rewatching it again, I found much more interest in Ultron than I had before, and he is a pretty ruthless villain. I mean, the what he's what he's willing to do, what he's driven by, what consumes him, uh, I think is just so interesting to explore. The idea of the creation, the Frankenstein, wanting to destroy his creator, and not being necessarily wrong. I mean, Stark was become it was sliding into megalomania in that movie with what he wanted to do which was in essence violate everyone's civil rights mm -hmm. just so he could protect the planet and i get the logic behind it but it does take a certain amount of ego to think you're the person that should be the one deciding who's a danger and who isn't right yeah so for ultron to be created out of that aborted point of view he made so much sense that he came out the way he did. Vision is the much more, obviously, elevated uh, point of view of that kind of thing. But uh, Ultron was the more bastardized version. And so when he comes out and he does the things he does throughout the movie, he's pretty brutal and sacrificing, you know, the kids and whatever. They're all, everyone's in service of what that machine, that computer thinks 
uh, is the best way for the world to operate. But he's an infantile computer because he is he always defaults to his emotional reactions to things. So it's scary that someone that infantile can have that much power. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, That's I wish it. Ultron had just uh, made it through to another film. Mm, fair point. That's why I liked him in when they had him in What If. It was really even more realized in the What If episodes when yeah. he shows up. Yeah. Um, just knowing going into it, ah, he's gonna get. Yes, it takes all the Avengers to take him down, but they got him. Yeah. So I never really bought into the reality, which is difficult. Yeah. Um, because you know, in, in all these instances, that bad guy's gonna lose. Yeah. True. But the way he was set up, I was like, God, he's too good to be used here. Yeah. Just for this. Yeah. And that for another character that I have on my list doesn't bother me as much. Right. Whereas for Ultron, it's like, there's so much potential here, just given his mass intellect and then his strength and all that. Yeah. He could have hung around for a little, maybe teased him in a couple before, you know, a pre Thanos Thanos type of thing where it's just, yeah. like, Oh, he's, you know, lurking, but I realize you got to do all the corrupting Jarvis and, and whatnot. So it's kind of difficult to do, but anyway. Mm. Um, okay. So then my number eight is uh, Obadiah Stane. Okay, go for it. Yeah, I love him. He's to me, he's one of the most underappreciated villains, or maybe even misunderstood if you can use that overused term uh, for uh, a villain in the MCU. I loved what Jeff Bridges did with Obadiah Stane. He is scary, ruthless. Just you know, uh, absolutely, it was the driving force behind the Stark Industries going into using we- or selling weapons to these. Uh, people are not caring what the political uh, their political bent is or their political point of view is. Mm-hmm. It was about making money. And so there's a certain level of evilness already at that core. And then to be the kind of person who is using the family connection for his own benefit and then seeing that the kid is, you know, not really a, um, up to the task and taking advantage of that and then using the kid when he thinks it's time to use the kid. Uh, and doing all these things behind his back. And then when he comes into his house and puts that thing in his ear that destabilizes him and actually freezes him, mm-hmm. I was great. And then to take the creation and become a bigger version of that to try to destroy him, he very well could have killed Iron Man. He was very close to killing Iron Man at the end there. You know, if Pepper Potts is not helping him, Stark is fucking dead. So I love that. He came that close to completely ending the MCU. So for that, I think he deserves much more um, credit as a villain than he gets. And the way Jeff Bridges plays him, you know, it's kind of like coming in close and speaking, like kind of like working out like the old man thing that he's going to do in that series. Um, and then the way he bullies the staff and, you know, gets in their faces and tries to get them to do things that they're doing. So he is driven by this thing. Again, this code, this ethos that he has, that he deserves all this shit not this punk rich kid who never appreciated and who I think his father never really cared for, you know? So it's a possible it's a point of view. Yeah. I mean, his point of view, I don't, I, I'm not saying I believe that because clearly that seemed end game kind of ends that, but clearly he thought that, you know? So, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. He more than likely looked at it like I, I was handed this empire and built it into yes what it is. Why are you fucking around with your money yeah. and having sex on planes and playing poker with your buddies and you know having friends in the air force? I was the one keeping the company on track. Yeah, I was the one run, running this. I know how the sausage is made. Yeah, 
I'm the one that makes all the deals and the direction of the company, and you're just the face of it. Yeah. You know, the puppet master. So eventually he got fed up with that role. Yeah, I thought about, uh, uh, you know, he was a tough cut. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there were uh, some easy cuts. There were some tough cuts. Fair enough. What's your seven? Uh, my number seven is uh, a Wanda slash Scarlet Witch in Multiverse. That is a punt. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that is a punt. What's your six? Uh, six is Loki. Yeah, not on my list. He's not a villain to me anymore. So go ahead. Well, I see, man. but when he was, I know, I know, I know. I the the speech he gives in Avengers of basically human beings, yeah, prefer a life of subjugation. Kneel yeah. before me. I am your rightful master. And the one gentleman of what you know, a a Holocaust survivor stands yeah. up. Great character. Assuming he's a Holocaust survivor. Yeah. And basically, yeah, like. I've, you know, we've seen men like you before. There are always <laughs> men like you. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Such a good line. Um, but it's, I mean, the perfect villain, I think, for all the Avengers, because he just engendered so much dislike and hate from the audience. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, like, dude, you can't beat any of them for strength. Yeah. I'm not sure you have the wits to match the smartest of these guys. And yet you're a backstabbing, conniving, disgusting, petty little, you know, God, yeah. so to speak. Puny and God. You've, yeah. You've aligned yourself with a more powerful individual. Yeah. Who we come to find out later who that exactly is. Right. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It was, to me, it was a great because it wasn't some big, huge, insurmountable individual. That's coming later. Right. But it's someone we could all universally go, I fucking hate that guy. I hope he gets, you know, punched right in his mouth um, just for that. And then the beauty of Tom's performance later on, it's yeah. you don't trust him and yet you want to. Right. Like he still has this charm and yet you're like, ah, ugh. Yeah. You know, when Thor, he goes to betray Thor in Ragnarok and Thor's like, I've learned my lesson on that front. I can't fall victim to this again. Yeah. And he put that charge or whatever it was on his back um, when they were going to do the help my brother's hurt yeah, in, yeah. in that elevator. And he's like, I don't want to do it. And he's like, come on, we're doing, you know, whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Help yeah. Me. And then Loki goes to be Loki again. And then the shows the maturation of Thor just like I've learned that yeah. lesson I cannot trust you yeah uh so yeah even now with Loki and all that you want to trust him but you know you can't trust this character yeah so he still has a tinge of of that unreliability yeah uh, that you want him to shed but that's what makes the character so good uh so yeah I thought it was a the perfect foil for the first Avengers yeah, I mean, and look, I'm sure many people would have Loki. In and just for me, when I analyze Loki now, even back then, even because you have to look at it in perspective, right? Even back then, he's just, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, what do you call it? He's a second child, middle child syndrome, who's mad that this guy is so beloved by his dad, then finds out that his dad isn't his dad. So what he's doing is lashing out like a child would lash out. And even in the speech he gives there, the Avengers are on his ass, so he's kind of foppish. So to me, it never really 
as I look at it now, when I watch the movies now, I don't see him as a villain. I see him as a lost guy who is trying to find um, where he belongs in the world, which is, of course, completely different from the God of Mischief that we see in the comics. I think he's much more redeemable throughout yeah. all these movies and the TV show. And I can't wait for that second season, um, you know, than almost any of the villains in the MCU. And I, I, I kind of enjoy that in, about him, which is why I can't even see him as a villain anymore. He was a guy who was just, you know, lost, emotionally lost about where he belonged and was trying to find it and took power from someone else like Thanos because he wanted to find some kind of strength and walk his own path. But even that blew up in his face because it's not his power. So the journey has been a fascinating journey for sure to watch. So, yeah, but I would never you know, tell anyone not to put him on the list. Oh, sure. After just shitting on my choice <laughs> for the past three minutes. But anyway, go ahead. No, let's go, go ahead with your cute little choice. I mean, I don't think it's terrible, but it's fucking terrible. Go ahead, man. What do you got next? <laughs> Is this how you're going to treat Steve on the top 11? Steve? Fucking uh, bullshit. No. <laughs> top 11. No, no, no. My number seven is um, Hella from Thor. Ragnarok. That's a punt. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Good. Nice. All right. Uh, my number six then is uh, the Green Goblin from Spider-Man: No Way Home. Only from Spider-Man: No Way Home. Go right ahead. Okay. I loved him in Spider-Man. I mean, like, I hated Green Goblin in those first two Sam Raimi movies. Ugh. Yeah. Annoyed me because he was overdone, and it was it's Defoe without the brakes on, and that doesn't always work out, and so. Watching him in those movies, I just I never just like James Franco was horrible in those Spider-Man movies. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Um, and so watching him become the actual villain that he is and the mental health struggle that he's going through in this movie, I thought was fucking great. And who he kills, man, I did not see that coming at all. And the absolute callousness that is going on with him because of what he did. And he's a difficult guy because you understand that this, a this is a mental thing. And as we've become more uh, open in having these discussions and exploring these situations and understanding how people change, depending on the medication that they're on or the therapy that they get, it makes you kind of, it kind of keeps you off balance about where, how you feel about him. But then when he does what he does, um, it's just so far over the line that you can't help but think that this guy is absolutely a villain, you know? And so the fight all the way up until the end with Spider-Man, even in that moment, you know, he stabs who he stabs. And then when he's, when Spidey wants to get him or Tom Holland wants to kill him, it's such a great moment there between them. So mm -hmm. to me, there's just so much about the journey with him from beginning to end that I just love in that movie. And so it was enough to move him into the top 10 which I'm really surprised by because it wasn't. Yeah, he's, you know, he was too cartoonish in the Ramies. Yeah, fuck yeah, man. That it just colors my perception, even though he was fantastic. Yeah. In Spidey, uh, No Way Home. Yeah. But I, don't know. I can't divorce the two personally. I can understand that. I can totally understand that. Yeah. I know, Ramey. I'm just not, I'm not the, uh, for certain things I love Ramey, for other things I do not, man. So. Um, all right, so what's your five, dude? Uh, my five is Vulture. Ooh, really? Uh, Adrian Toomes. All right, go ahead, man. Oh, dude. Michael Keaton, killing it. <laughs> killing it. It's great. great so menacing, because he always, he always has those piercing eyes, and they're always, you know, 
Yeah. Basically, he was a gunslinger in a former life. Oh, yeah. Just those, uh, at all times, very Clint Eastwood. And yet, I don't feel like he's intentionally doing that. <laughs> that guy has so much range. Dude, when he stares at you on screen, it's unsettling. You're absolutely yeah. right. Just the stare is unsettling. But the the car ride, oh, when yeah. he figures out Tom Holland is Spider-Man, and the shift of color from the stoplight yeah, matching the tone of what he's saying as he's looking back and you can see the glow from the stoplight change on his face, uh, just given the, the, the shining of the light from it. Oh, it's, I mean, he plays this menace without needing to be over the top, the, some huge larger than life character. He just yeah. carries himself with that at all times yeah. when he kills, uh, you know, Discount Tom Hardy. <laughs> How dare you? How he dare is. you? That's not upgrade. Give me one other thing you've enjoyed, man. I can't. Yeah. I can't. I, I would happily replace him in Prometheus. I think is it'd be a Ross, much better movie. Ross and Marshall Thurber. Is that his name or something like that? Or Green? It's Marshall Green. Something Marshall Green. Or okay. Logan Marshall Green, right? Logan is Marshall that Green. Yeah, that's that sounds yeah. about right. That's him. Um, yeah. No, I guess you're right. Kirkland, Tom Hardy. <laughs> wow. Jesus. That's what he is. Let's be worse. perfectly clear here. He has a, a one yeah. movie that I've thoroughly enjoyed of his. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I'm looking at his um, IMDb. I did not see Lou, the one with Allison Janney, so I can't say if I liked him in that at all. But that was that would be the only thing I would remotely even try to watch of his from this resume after Upgrade. So... Yeah, fair point. Uh, but the ruthlessness of that, mm. because that guy is taken to selling the illegal arms that they have accrued from the fallout of the first Avengers when they're part of the the cleanup crew of New York, and they yeah. get all this alien tech because of it. Yeah, and just cementing of before that, he was this blue collar guy trying to keep his crew together so he could put. You know, uh, keep the paychecks coming but yeah. to keep everybody, you know, housed and food in their belly and all that stuff. And he has to think of all these people. Yeah. And then potentially when he gets crossed, instantly leaps to, I have to kill you and just vaporizes him. Although he does turn to that guy. Uh, I don't know his name, but he's a great actor. Okay. Woodbine, the black guy? No, no, no. no. Uh, the white guy that's in Men in Black. And he's also in Severance as the brother-in-law. The heavy set oh. guy with blonde hair. Right. Shit. I can't remember his name, but yeah. yeah. yeah and he yeah. vaporizes Kirkland. Yeah. And then he turns to him and he's like, I thought this was the levitating thing. They have a nice comedic moment. <laughs> it wasn't like, ha ha funny, but it does like, right. oh, 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 that makes him look almost like that he's not a terrible person. Right. But Vulture was hands down. I think my least favorite of Spider-Man's. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, in the uh, comics, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Just this old man with wings. And I was like, why is this guy a foil to Spider-Man? This doesn't make any sense. So to take that and completely change everything about him. And I think it works 100% better for me at the the MCU version over the comics. Now I understand why he's one of the Sinister Six. And the comics is like, I don't know. You got to fill out the roster. You need somebody with a different (laughs) skill set, I guess. Go get get Vulture. Yeah, this fucking bald old guy with green feathers like okay and a fur collar a la marjorie 
It's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Utterly ridiculous. Yeah. What a clown. What an absolute yes. clown. 100%. Um, I'm telling you, dude, quiet week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally chill. Uh, <laughs> so his entire portrayal, I thought, was utterly fantastic. And that is okay. why he, he makes my list at number five. I would yeah, love to have seen more. I'm getting soft. I'm just getting soft. He's a dad defending his, you know, trying to provide for his family, man. I don't know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Well, then that also means that, uh, you know, you side with Nick Cage and Lord of War because he's just out. Well, no. Now, wait a minute. That's a different situation, right? Is it? I mean, uh, is yeah, it? Cause, no, because you're right. He's selling. Walter's just an arms dealer. That's yeah, all he right. is. He is an arms dealer. You're right. He stopped being a right. contractor that Fair does points. clean up long ago. Now yeah, he just right. sells wildly violent weapons. After Tyne Daly was like, that's it. You're all out of here. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right. I can see your point. All right. So then my number five uh, is Namor from uh, Black Wakanda Forever. Go ahead. <laughs> this is villain, and he is a villain. Is um, he, though? I mean, he's an, he's an antagonist, and then he becomes the villain. Um, when he embraces the violence, that's the thing that it is. It, initially, he's kind of an anti-hero. He's defending his people. His people have been around for a long time. You know, he's seen the horrors of slavery and what European people did to um, his people there in, in the Mex Mesoamerican Mexican areas. So you understand that you either go underwater. They did what they needed to do to survive, right? And so he pitches this. He steals this young teenager. And his essence going to kill this young teenager in cold blood murder just because he doesn't want the U.S. government to be able to have access to these things so that they can come in power and or any government, really, because we saw France trying to pull that shit as well, trying to come into power and find them. And so he's afraid that the world that he's created could come crashing down and suffer deaths as a result, which is, of course, a very logical point of view to have. However, if you're a hero, you don't put a 19-year-old girl to the sword. It just isn't something that you would consider doing, especially an innocent 19-year-old girl who didn't build the machine so it could be abused in the way that it was going to be abused. So that's a villainous tendency there. And then when he attacks Wakanda, the ruthlessness with which he attacks Wakanda, and then kills the queen, and then later on the battle with uh, Shuri, which is out of pure revenge for what happened to his people. So mm -hmm. it slides into villainy territory. He's not all, he's not a die in the wool villain. Cause I think he's going to be redeemed. Um, Seems but, like it. but there is a, there are villainous qualities to him and villainous tendencies to him. And then Huerta did a fantastic job uh, for in the performance of, of Namor, in my opinion. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. That's why I put him at number five. Yeah. I thought, I thought he was fantastic. Mm -hmm. He just has a nice command. But here's where I'm losing it on superhero films. I thought the, the movie was not good. Not good? Like overall not good? I don't I don't think Miss Wright can was lead an action film. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. It was yeah. training under her. She's a Fully good actress. Strange. She's a good actress, but she's not. She's a good third banana. Yeah, she's not the the energy no. to lead a film. You're 100 percent like right. Lupita Nyong'o and and Grira. Yeah, did I Grira? Yeah. Give them, make them Black Panther. Either, either of the two of them, make them Black yeah. Panther. Yeah. And now I'm buying it. And if she is uh, Miss Wright, the you know, 
basically Ned, mm-hmm. the guy at the computer. I believe that. Right, right. But as Black Panther, it's like, no, nah, it, it, it lost me on the entire reality. I don't disagree with you. I think Lupita, just in the, you know, um, 10 to 15 minutes of screen time that she has or 20 minutes of screen time that she has in the film, she commands the film. So you're 100% right. I don't think Letitia has those moments of command. The scene with her and Killmonger is great, but the scene at the end with her and um, Namor doesn't quite have this the kind of power or resonance that you want it to have. No, not at all. Sorry, yeah. I had to blow my nose. Yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, her. I don't know. I didn't believe the the MIT scientist. Uh, oh, the girl. You didn't yeah. like her. Okay, Dominique. Nah, it's well, honestly, she had one physical uh, tick that she did a lot, and it reminded mm. me of this this idiot who I knew who was always full of shit. So it's kind of like a subconsciously it was, you know, she kept talking and she put her hands together and like kind yeah. of do that. I knew a guy that was anytime he did that, basically you want to play poker with him <laughs> because whatever was coming out of his mouth next was just horse shit. And lie. he would, he would lie a lot about dumb stuff. He was just one of those people that lied Wow, about everything. Oh yeah, no, I've done that. And you're like, really? You've done, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah I did that with, you know, Steve Harvey. And you're like, why did you choose Steve Harvey of about having done something with? And it's just, it was never ending with him, yeah. but he would always do that when he's talking and then kind of put his hands together. And it's just when it, so anytime she did that, which was quite a bit, I was just like, I don't believe you, <laughs> but that's my own prejudices about a dipshit that I used to know. I don't believe you. Influencing. I yeah. Uh, so she very well could be good. I, I don't know. It was hard to see past, but, uh, yeah, I just didn't buy the lead. That was my big I didn't, problem. I didn't buy anything with um, Martin Freeman and Julie Louis-Dreyfus. No. I think she's been the worst choice to bring into the MCU of the new stuff. I think she's terrible. I don't buy her as a villain at all. And I love Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Love Julie Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. When she's villainous in Veep, and she is villainous in Veep, she's great, you know? But here, it just, I don't buy it. And... I'll be honest, she's a TV actress. And when you see her up there with film actors, I just don't buy it. I don't buy the chemistry. I don't buy her lording over them. I don't buy her power. And then the whole thing with her and Martin Freeman, I'm like, you pitched us this guy as a really intelligent guy up until this moment, but somehow, and I get it. I get it. Certainly relationships, you know, women get the best of the most intelligent men. I told, and vice versa. I totally get it. But it didn't work here because there's no chemistry between them. No, honestly. Now, I don't buy that they're former. Yeah, not even a little. Married couple. No. Yeah. And the when she walks on screen, and I don't recall having the uh, different colored hair in the front. You're right. Yeah. One little a curl. And I was yeah. like, I, that's a hell of a choice. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't work. Yeah, it just doesn't, doesn't work. There's, a, there's a lot of this new phase that. But hey, you know what? If people are enjoying it, Enjoy it. Have fun. It's a safe space, man. It's a safe space. Safe space for for me to not enjoy a lot of superhero stuff lately. True. So that was your four, or was that your? Four? Yeah, that was your four, right? Uh, that was my five. Five. Sorry, what's your four? We did your five. So my four is uh, Helmet Zemo. Oh, nice. Go ahead, man. So it basically takes what Alexander Pierce does mm-hmm. and does it on an indie film budget. Mm-hmm. So 
doesn't have the resources that Pierce does and yet orchestrates this entire plan that almost tears the Avengers entirely apart hmm. from within by just knowing a couple key pieces of information and then using the right pressure points to get the reaction from the two pivotal members that he really wants in Iron Man and Captain America and that Captain America will always stand up for Bucky mm-hmm. and Iron Man once you be like well guess what Bucky did yeah uh, he is the cause for a lot of your mental trauma over the past two decades yeah yeah um and just just that just he's a normal guy he's pissed off about what happened in Ultron and he's like you guys destroyed so much and yet you get to keep moving on as if nothing happens yeah as if the world just should thank you anytime you cause all this damage and you know the boys gets into that a little bit Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just the repercussions of what having someone like this in the regular world would be yeah and to see just a man a guy be able to take down these superhumans is it it was just masterfully done yeah and i appreciated brule's performance i thought it was very restrained and i bought into the reality of this guy laying this plan the groundwork of this plan and taking his time but to get retribution for the wrongs that have been suffered upon him and his people yeah uh and not using some big cataclysmic weapon or you know icbms or turning a greater power against the avengers it's like nah we're going to tear them asunder uh let the you know turn them into a house of cards yeah i know that that was just brilliant yeah yeah i mean i think the um falcon winter soldier thing kind of undercut for me a little bit of the villain stuff with him so that's why i didn't put him on my list but certainly his intelligence in that movie in almost toppling the whole thing down um was great to witness for sure and that's obviously why they used him in um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and certainly why he's going to be a part of Thunderbolts, a big part of Thunderbolts. So, going to be interesting. I mean, once again, one of these guys that starts out as a villain and with legitimate cause, like the Avengers yeah. killed his fucking family, you yeah. know. And so he sees them, and this is, you know, Mike. Hopefully, it's not a shock to a lot of people. A lot of people in other countries see the American military-industrial complex and the international usage of it as villainous. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do in all these different countries, and so. He kind of reflects that, that they were casual about the destruction and the um, overall deaths that they caused in their actions and were unwilling to make reparations or even apologize or pay for these kinds of mistakes and own up to them or even be called out. Like the Sokovia Accords, from one perspective, the Sokovia Accords makes a lot of sense considering all the damage they have done throughout the world. You could also defend their desire to not be a part of it being like, well, if we hadn't been there, it could have been a lot worse and more people would have died. So there's valid arguments on both sides. And Zemo certainly represents that mm-hmm. in, his, in his approach to things. So, yeah. Um, all right. So then my number four is the punt from earlier, Wanda Maximoff. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, just from from one division into multiverse of madness, if we want to just kind of, to me, you got to make those connections or I guess, yeah, from one division, multiverse. Because, I mean, in WandaVision, she absolutely subjugates the will of multiple people and removes their free will 
to do whatever they want to do simply because she can't handle her grief. It's ridiculous how much how many people like are okay with what she did in in um in, in WandaVision and then leading into Multiverse of Madness, which she doubles down and is even worse about that she's using the book. And it's 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 not about getting her kids back, it's about something much more and her inability to process the grief and process the loss. And so she's going to make the whole world pay for it, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference than Adrian Toomes. Toomes is trying to provide for his family. He gets lost here, becomes a weapons dealer. That's a terrible situation. Wanda can literally kill the whole world, right? I mean, he's he's killed some thousands of people with his weapons or whatever. Obadiah Stane is unapologetic. There's no reason Obadiah Stane, other than selfish greed and power, for what he does. With Wanda... It is the idea of the kids, but it's also this all this loss. And by the way, Thor has lost more than she's lost. There are a number of people in the MCU who've lost more than she's lost and didn't try to take over the will of a whole town and then you know, try to find the worst spells in order to steal kids from another realm and mm-hmm. kill off all these people and heroes as she does in the movie indiscriminately. Now, that being said, I think Sam Raimi actually fucked her character up and the writers of that movie fucked her character up and i was so mad at what they did with her but i have to deal with what is given to me and you're right multiverse of madness she's an absolute villain from top to bottom in that movie uh yeah she's a villain where you understand the rationale and her mind of what she's doing right right and it's weird because when she's confronted with logic She's already had that argument with herself, and yet <laughs> yeah. she still keeps forging ahead, yeah. given her current trajectory. Because, yeah, want is trumping reason. Yeah, in these moments, and because she does have this power, and to some degree, it's almost uh, limitless. Yeah, if she really learns how to tap into it, yeah, uh, it makes it all the more menacing. That she'd have you know this this these types of abilities. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, multiverse of madness is at the end of WandaVision and then to take it into multiverse. Because yeah. she was she started out as villainous-ish. You're right. In Ultron. And then oh, kind of yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. becomes a good guy. He's a good guy for a while. Yeah. But it was always never on board with the it was never rah-rah with the mm-hmm. Avengers. Like, oh, we'll be invading next. Let's go. Um so we'll see what the shift is for her after this. Yeah. I'd assume she comes back into the good guy fold because they'll need her help with Kang. Yeah. Good point. That's yeah. going to be fun. That's going to be interesting to see how they work it out. I mean, cause they haven't committed to one way or another with her. Um, and she essentially, you could argue died at the end of multiverse of madness, but Feige said, I didn't see nobody. So you're right. I'm sure they're figuring out how to bring her back into this thing. Um, all right, what's your three? Uh, my three is Red Skull. Ooh, all right, go ahead, man. And this is honestly mostly just for potential. <laughs> okay. That's it. He is the, I think, the worst used of all the villains. Okay. Because I never read Captain America as a kid. I found the character kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um. But I always like the look of Red Skull. It's like, oh, that's a cool character. Right. And then they announced, and the Red Skull was his, his 
if my estimation of never reading it, just occasionally picking up a copy and whatnot, he was his main villain, his right. main foil. It was always this tete-a-tete between the two of them. Yeah. So when you see it introduced in the first one, I, I buy Hugo Weaving's character as wildly intelligent. Basically, the perfect complement to Captain America. You yeah. got this serum. Well, I already have uh, basically all these abilities plus the intelligence. Right. And, you know, when he rips off the, fa- you know, Hugo Weaving's face to show Red Skull. And you see that for the first time. I, I mean, I was utterly captivated mm. and uh, blown away in the theater. I can still visualize, you know, that reveal and how fantastic his portrayal is. And yeah. that's basically for him to disappear and then show up much later sucks because yeah. I think, boy, if there's ever someone to, to keep around and keep bringing back over and over and over again, you know, turn him into like a Dr. Doomish type of, there's always Thanos. Yeah. Although Doom technically is stronger at certain points in Marvel's timeline and comics right. than Thanos. But as far as the movies are concerned, there's always a Thanos, but there are other people. There's still strong adversaries that exist and don't have to die off every time. Oh, true. You Very defeat true. them in this battle, but they can still yeah. regroup. Maybe they he teams up with Thanos and right. realizes, yes, you're number one, but I'm clearly number two. Let's go take over the universe. Yeah. type of situation. It just becomes part of the cadre of individuals that the Avengers have to take down. I was just, I'm still so fascinated by the makeup and the costuming that they did for him that I wish they'd gotten more, but he's absolutely one of my favorites that they've done. Hmm. Fair point. Okay. So what do you got at three? <clears throat> I have, um, uh, Wenwu, the, uh, Go villain ahead. in Shang-Chi. I know you said what you say you didn't like it, right? So didn't like the movie. So it's just uh... so. But for me, uh, Tony Leung is fantastic. Here's when we and uh, you know Shang Chi's dad and what he we see him do some pretty terrible shit, uh, and we know about his abilities to do terrible shit before he meets the woman he loves. You know, when he meets the woman he loves, he changes. He becomes more of the of the world, and then when the woman he loves dies, especially in front of his own son. Um, he changes back to being this more ruthless, brutal person that she was kind of like the the dam to hold back the water of who he naturally is. Um, and it causes all this disenfranchisement. And then later, of course, uh, him and um, Shang-Chi have this wonderful battle at the end talking about what they've done and him being lost in the grief and the anger and the hatred of it all. And uh, Shang-Chi having to fight back against all of that to you know, kind of subdue him once and for all. And it's a great performance from Tony Leung because it's a, I read a great description. He's a bad guy or he's a villainous guy, but he's not a villainous person. And I thought that was an incredibly nuanced delineation to make with a character like this. It doesn't always work with every character, but I think with a character like this, you can make the argument, you know, he, he does certain things that are pretty villainous, in a vacuum, but when you understand the reasons for why he's doing things, you can understand why. Um, um, but because it's never just a casual villainy. It's never just, yeah, let's just kill people for the fuck of it. It is because of certain codes or morality or ethos that the that there's a reason for the things that he does. 
So I, he's a fascinating villain to me, you know, and I, I like that you get him only having that moment of re- redemption at the right at the end, right? The literal end moment um, because he's so consumed with what he thinks is right, you know, mm-hmm. and there's so many deaths along the way in his entire history. And of course, yeah, the death between his relationship with him and his son, even more so um, for a majority of his life, you know, so I like that. <clears throat> um, so what's your two? Uh, my two is the pun from earlier, Hella. Oh, nice choice of two, man. All right, please. Oh, she's she brings in sex appeal. Yes, the only time for all these villains, she comes sauntering in and just starts flinging those black daggers at <laughs> dudes left and right. And part of you is still like, I mean, if she threw some heat my way, I'd be into this. I'd be. I... <laughs> I'm not against this. Uh, but yeah, I love the, which we talked about before when she pulls the ceiling down mm-hmm. and you see the mural that has been, that was underneath, right? The truth. Yeah. Papering over the history and be like, well, how do you think all these realms came under the heel right. of Odin? You think they just all said, Hey, this sounds like a great idea. We'd love to be subjugated. No, it took us going through and going roadhouse on all these motherfuckers. <laughs> And, you know, coalescing all our power into we now have all these kingdoms and we rule supreme. And I had never thought about it because I just hadn't. Right. And when you see it put up there, like, oh, that's interesting. They, of course, that's true. You know, the victors write history. And you, it's very rare, though, when history is like there was a good, a clear good and bad on this. Yeah. Um, more almost always it's just, yeah, well, these guys won, so now they get to call themselves the good guys. Um, and you go along with it because well, the voices that would dissent are no longer uh basically yeah. strong enough to do anything about it or aren't here anymore. Right. So um so to see that the previous history, but Cape Lanchette just Ugh. so effortlessly embodying the yeah. entire spirit of all this this push and pull, the bittersweet nature of being back where she thought she would eventually take the the, the throne mm. and rule over. Uh, but then the disgust of having been shelved for your younger brother. Yeah. Uh, and the push and pull, wanting the approval of your parents while simultaneously despising them. Yeah. And it's a, you know, she pulls off a nuanced performance in the middle of all this madness going on. I just, I, I thought she was flawless in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent. Everything you said, like from her first appearance, just the way she's moving her body and walking, it is sexy as fuck. And I've never found Kate Blanchett sexy as fuck. Always beautiful, attractive, certainly objectively striking and a stunning woman, but never sexy. And when she comes out right from the bat or right from the beginning, that's like that energy. You're just like, Holy shit. And so the fact that you couple it with a bloodthirsty desire to rule, it makes it all the more unsettling. You know, I think sure. she taps into that thing that I think most men fear about women is that when a woman is really self-composed and strong and unapologetically herself and doesn't need a man, mm-hmm. it is it, it absolutely emasculates most men. And so she encapsulates that so powerfully and her coming out and exposing the lies of, um, of Odin and what he did, 
right on the heels of his death. So causing um, Thor to have to reevaluate everything and see what his father had done. You know, it speaks volumes. And her just coming in, just casually killing everybody, all his crew, all the soldiers, everything like that. My The only negative about the movie is that I wanted more with her and more active actions with her than waiting around for Thor to show up so she could fight him and what have you. So I would have no, liked Thor's movie. More. Yeah, I know. I know. You're right. I know. I just would have liked. Yeah. I hope in the future. Well, I guess maybe we won't get her again because of what happens. But oh, but then again, we didn't see a body. So maybe that Feige thing applies. But um, her battle with him at, at you know, when she's getting the best of him until he calls down the thunder is is a great sequence. So, yeah, she's a brutal villain just in the telling of the tales of what she did with Odin. Mm-hmm. And then when you see when she shows up, how just utterly casual she is about wiping out thousands of people uh, and bending everyone to her will is just, um, you know, scary as hell. So yeah, brutally good. Um, and I, I, if I were you, mm-hmm. if, if you want to see, you're like, I've never seen her be sexy. Yeah. I'm not there smoking. I'm not there. Is that the Bob Dylan one? She's really in the Bob Dylan one. No, All right. playing Bob Dylan. I've never seen it. All right. I hope to give it a chance. I haven't seen Tar yet. I know it's on Peacock. I got to see Tar as well. Maybe I am not looking forward to it. <laughs> I, every. Yes. Every person that I know, save for one, said yeah. it was definitely worth the watch. I will never watch it again. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And she is amazing. She deserves to win the Oscar. I'm never going to watch this again. <laughs> I've heard that from more than one. I heard one person say, I've seen it twice. They were the anomaly. I'm not kidding. Two a person, every other individual I've talked to about it has said the exact same thing. Different wording, but the exact same thing of, glad I saw it. Great movie. Right. I'm good. (laughs) She's amazing. She should win. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we'll see. I'll see. I've got three or four to catch it because I still got to see Empire of Light, which just came on HBO Max as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I see if it's any good. Um, Killmonger is my is number two. So the punt from earlier. I think he still retains his status because that film still carries weight, still resonant. He is so good in that movie, so brutally ruthless in that movie. And yes, you can understand why, but he goes so far in that direction that is he is absolutely a villain and then fighting T'Challa and essentially leaving him for dead and then taking over the country and, you know, making it break all its principles and morality just in this uh, misguided pursuit to avenge the centuries of destruction that people have put on black people throughout the world. You understand his point of view. You understand where he's coming from and why. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly when you you know read all the stories, see all the videos, you understand the systemic issues going on. You get what he represents. But it goes so far the other way that you, that's that line from Untouchables, right? Sean Connery says, I've become what I beheld and, I've content, and I'm content that I've done so. And in this situation, he is becoming the oppressor that he supposedly was against. And so that's where it gets lost in the, in the villainy. But He's so fucking good in the role. And um, even the ending when he's like, you know, take me up there and 
you know, let me drown like my like my forefather, like my ancestors did. You're just like, oh fuck, man, brilliant slavery reference, Jesus Christ. And then seeing him die on the um, you know, as the sun is rising, it's it's great. And he exposes the lie between T'Chaka and T'Challa, you know, about how yeah. he left them behind, you know. So a villain that shakes the foundations of everything around him. So it's it's such power, it's such a great performance, too, from Michael B. Jordan. And we got right, we got Creed three coming in like a few weeks already in March. So how good he's gonna be in that. Yeah. No Stallone, bro. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Come on, it's Killmonger versus Kang. Come on. Dude, no Stallone. I am out. Physique alone, Majors should kick his ass. Dude, Jesus Christ. Well, I mean, you thought that with Mr. T, didn't you? Physique alone or Drago? Oh, my God. Drago should have pummeled Rocky like a... Yeah, Drago, I'll give you a rail. Yeah. I I don't know that I had a distinct opinion the first time I saw Mr. T. I just knew him from Mm -hmm. A-Team. But yeah, Drago should have won, and Majors, whatever character he's playing, should win. But I also haven't seen the second one, and I don't, I don't know. Oh. Fighting style. The first one was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. You thought the first Creed was ridiculous? Yes, he has, what, two professional fights, and then suddenly he's getting a shot for the heavyweight championship, which I understand he's got the name, but yeah. general public is not going to buy pay-per-view because you got the fucking name. Mm. They're, they're not. Okay. You're going to have to build that up. Do they have footage? of all the human cockfighting he was doing in Mexico? Because <laughs> if they don't, what are we selling the public on? He's had, I think it was like two professional fights. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bunch of underground fights and all that shit. And you're like, no, I'm sorry. Kimbo Slice at least had all the videos. What about Marvis Frazier? He fought Mike Tyson. Nobody fucking thought Marvis Frazier fought anybody. He got up there. Yeah, but what was his record overall? Was it 2-0? It was not. Uh, no, it wasn't 2-0. <laughs> Or Spinks, Spinks was his seventh professional fight was against Ali. Seventh. Yeah, well, he's supposed to get his ass kicked. That was the point of it. And he didn't. But it was Marvis Frazier, right? Yeah, man. Dude, he's 62 now. That's kind of crazy that Marvis Frazier is 62. I didn't think about that. Uh by 21 and 19. Uh eight wins by KO. That's what he ended up as. So 40. Oh, what he ended up as I was gonna say 40 fights. That's a lot of fights for yeah. I don't know what he was when he faced Tyson, what his record was, but uh, all right. So, uh, yeah, so that's wh- where are we at. Is that your number? That was your two. My two. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, so then you're, is, uh, do we both have the same one? I'd assume so. Thanos. Thanos. Yeah. Thanos. Come on now. Such a good villain. Yeah. It, you know, he did, he did beat the Avengers. Yes. Legitimately. Yeah. He's the only villain that's ever won in the MCU that I can think of. There could be another. I mean, you know, Helmet came close, but they ultimately healed the fractured relationship. I guess you could say same thing with Thanos. He did win. But, I mean, he full-on killed half of the universe. Yep. And they couldn't stop him. Um, You could argue that he won twice because he won, and then when they cut off his head, he won again. Because they essentially killed the ability for them to go back. If it wasn't for um, Paul Rudd or the mouse, you know, popping out and hitting that button on Paul Rudd's van, arguably the world never returns to what it was because the Avengers got beat the first time 
and then got beat psychologically a second time pursuing revenge against this guy without thinking it through. And Thor cut his head off because he had to work out the fact that he couldn't save the world the first time. He had to deal with his own male ego. And in that moment, he killed any possible opportunity to bring people back. And it wasn't until Scott was able to help them do that that they did it. So, yeah. Yeah. He's, and Josh Brolin does such a great job with it. And even at the end, when he is like coming up and he's talking to them, the I mean, it's hard to believe that that's Brolin doing those moves because he's so massive, Thanos, and they make yeah. it work so well. And yeah, the I mean, mentality, man. Yeah. yeah. The CGI and the motion capture is gorgeous. Yeah. Because now when you go back and you see the flashes of Thanos as opposed to what he becomes. Right, right, right. It is amazing the progression. Because when he does that first side glance to the camera, he looks like he was just pulled straight off of a, a comic book page. Yeah, yeah. Like there's believable this to it, but it still feels cartoonish. And by the time we get Infinity War, when he comes on screen and kicks Hulk's ass and and kills Loki and all that, yeah. I'll be damned if he doesn't look as lifelike as mm-hmm. anyone else on that screen. And yeah. he definitely looks more lifelike than any of his flunkies. The guy that has telekinesis or the big all the world is a nail hammer guy or they all look, you know, like they're fake characters. Yeah. Really good renders, but still look fake. And he looks as real as can be, man. I mean, the stubble, the furrowed lines on his chin, all of it. It's it's really impressive. Yeah. But yeah, flat out believe he is the universal menace that Mm. they've built him up to be. Yeah, and once again, it is a pursuit of what he thinks is correct, the idea of wiping out half the galaxy. This has been his mantra, as we see when he finds Gamora, wipes out half the civilization of Gamora's planet. It is his mantra to find a way to clear out overpopulation so that people can enjoy their lives. And you might, and you can argue, and we've seen those shirts, and I certainly could argue that Thanos was right uh, to a degree, but... Yeah the fact that he wiped out indiscriminately so many lives, you can't help but qualify that as a villain. Yeah. There is no right way right, right. to exterminate that much life. Yeah. But the problem he's trying to address is very real. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And one caused by us. So you could argue that, you know, um, all right. Well, there you go. That's our uh, top 10, our separate top 10 lists of the top 10 Marvel villains, the MCU um, in celebration of Ant-Man and the Wasp. We will quantum many. We put our list together here, do a little bongos action. What do we got? Do we- um, all right. So Thanos is obviously number one. Yep. You had Hella where? Uh, Hella at number seven. All right. Cause I have Killmonger at nine. Oh, I guess uh, Hella and gets then- Wanda for you is where? Four. Okay, so it goes Hella. You can go and do Killmonger if you like. Okay. And then Wanda. One through four. And then we both have Ego, but that's on the second half of our list. And that's yeah. it. Okay. We're different across the board after that. Okay. Well, so now we good. could we could do Ego at five if you want to, and then just trade. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's do that. Okay. Why not? All right. So uh, three is my next highest. Um, that is also my next highest. So let's flip it. I have What's your incorrect number three? 
Wen, <laughs> Wenwu from Shang-Chi. Oh, yeah. It's, come on. All right, flip it now. Come on. You won two weeks in a row. Whoa. Keep hitting that panel. Keep hitting that panel. All right. I have my four. What's your next highest? Uh, do we put Wanda in that already? Yeah. Okay. My next, that's yours then, because I don't have a four. My four was Wanda. All right. I have my five. So do I. Namor is my five. You're telling me Namor is better than Vulture? <laughs> By a mile. By a Namor's miles. not even fully a villain. Vulture is a fucking alien <laughs> arms dealer. I just argue that he's not fully a villain, Vulture. He's caring about his family. He's lost in that, providing for his family. Okay. Well, then Wanda falls under the same thing. Well, there's no well. There's fake family and real family. Her family is fake. I mean, it's all about perception. Perception is reality. So she perceives them to be the missing holes in her life. Therefore, they are the reality of what she needs. The panacea to her problems. Oof. Wow. I can't argue with a word like that. Am I flipping this coin again? You're just not going to relent? No, I'm not going to relent. Are you kidding? Doesn't matter anyway, baby. The correct answer came up. Son of a bitch. Sure and uh, more. Is that, that finishes out? That is it. Okay. All right. Here we go. The top 10 Marvel villains in the MCU. Yeah. At number 10. Namor. At number 9. Vulture. At number eight, Helmut Zemo. At number seven, Red Skull. At number six, Win Wu. At number five, Ego. At number four, Wanda Maximoff. At number three, Killmonger. At number two, Hella. And our number one MCU villain is is Thanos. He is inevitable. Um, all right, there we go. Thank you all so much for listening to this almost two-hour show. We appreciate it madly. We should get on out of here to another thing to record. Matt, uh, what do we need to tell them? Uh, once Anything? again, the 27th, it'll be at 6 p.m., and it'll be open to anybody, so just go to our YouTube, and you can find it there, and you can join in with uh, everybody, and that'll be 6 p.m. Pacific on the 27th. We'd love to have you. And you can follow me anywhere at Madnost. If you're inclined uh, and you'd like another uh, podcast to listen to, check out Settle the Score. And you can find that anywhere you get podcasts or you can watch over at youtube.com forward slash Madnost. There you go. That's where you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Outlaw Nation on Twitch. My YouTube channel, youtube.com slash John Roca Says. My other podcasts, uh, the Cinephiles, the Geek Buddies, and the Hot Mic all out there for you all to enjoy uh, as well so uh, have fun with ant-man and the wasp quantum mania let us know what you think and uh we will talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the top 10 show peace Ooh.